Thank you so much, brother. It's such a joy to hear that testimony, a joy to, to hear uh, all of us praying in one accord for those around us that are far from Jesus. And just to, to lift up our voices, to cry out to God that he would save. And that is our, that's our call. That's what we want God to do. Right? Our vision at, at King's Church, and that's what we're going to be looking at over the next three weeks. We're going to be looking at our vision. We want to multiply disciples, leaders, and churches for the King. That's what we want to do. Today we're going to look specifically at multiplying disciples. That's why I wanted Orlando to come and share. He's been faithful to share the gospel. He's been faithful to sow the seed, and he got to reap the harvest, right? He got to see his, his friend from high school come to know Jesus. That's an incredible gift that the Lord has blessed him with. Our mission, as we think about multiplying disciples, we want to see disciples equipped, right? We want to equip disciples who enjoy Christ and evangelize the lost. As we look out on our city, as we look out on Charlotte, there are close to 900,000 people in Charlotte now. That's a lot of folks. Many are unchurched. Many are far from Jesus. 17% of our city is from a different country. From a different country. 150 plus countries are represented in Charlotte. The nations have come to Charlotte. There is an incredible harvest field here in Charlotte. People are moving to our city every single day. People who have grown up in this city, they're far from Jesus. We want to be able to be light and salt. And I believe that the only way we'll see this many people engage with the gospel is to make disciples who make disciples to see a multiplication of disciples. We need disciples throughout our city, in the workplace, in our schools, in apartments, in our communities. We need them everywhere. And we need disciples who are faithful to the passage we're going to look at today. We're going to be in Matthew 28, but before we go there, I just want to give you just a quick overview of Jesus' heart for us and for those who are far from him. In Luke 10, Jesus challenges his disciples to look and see the abundant harvest. He tells them to pray for laborers to come from the harvest. He says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to raise up laborers. In Mark 3, Jesus calls his disciples. This is what it says in Mark 3. He calls them to be with him, to be with him. And then right after that, it says to send them out to preach. The disciples were called to be with Jesus, to sit with Jesus, to learn from Jesus. And then they were called to go out and preach. In Matthew 4, Jesus calls his disciples to come and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. He talks to fishermen, and he says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. You're going to go out and win souls to the kingdom of God. To preach the good news and to call people to follow Jesus has been Jesus' plan from the beginning. It is the, it is the words that were coming out of his mouth that the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe. It is the call that he, he called all peoples to come and follow him. He modeled this, and then he left us with a very clear command in Matthew 28. 
So what we want to do is we want to read Matthew 28, 16 to 20, and then I'm going to pray. And then we're going to look into Matthew 28, 16 to 20, even though I know all of you, all of you are familiar with the Great Commission, right? We're familiar with it. We read it a lot when we wrap up our services on Sundays. And we commission people out. You are sent. You are dismissed to go out into this world. So Matthew 28, 16 to 20, this is what Jesus says. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray. Father, you are a good, good God. You sent your Son to pay the penalty of our sin. He died, he was buried, yet on the third day, he was raised to new life. And shortly after that, he gave us this great commission to go and make disciples. Father, as we think on these words today, we pray for your spirit to guide us, to instruct us. Lord, we pray that we would be disciples who are learners, and who obey the commandments of Christ. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So the big idea this morning from Matthew 28 is we are commanded by Jesus to multiply disciples. That's what we're commanded by Jesus to do. To go and make disciples. To multiply disciples. Jesus, as we come into Matthew 28 verse 16, Jesus is with his disciples. He has proved to everyone that he is truly who he said he was. They are on the mountain in Galilee, and his disciples, it says, they are worshiping him, but some doubted. This word, doubted, is, is kind of a, it's a similar word to hesitant. They're hesitant, right? We see this from the disciples. Thomas doubted. We see this from the disciples on the road to Emmaus. They didn't realize who they were talking to in Luke 24, right? So we see this. There's a hesitancy. Is this really the resurrected Jesus? Yet we see also the disciples worshipped. They worshipped him. The only one worthy of worship is God. They have realized who Jesus is. Jesus is the resurrected Lord, but he is also the Son of God. So they worship him. And then as we listen in, right, this is, this is just incredible. As you read the, the Gospels, we get to listen in on Jesus' words. We get to listen in on his conversation with the disciples. So as we listen in on this conversation, I want us to be challenged and encouraged by these words of Jesus. The first thing that we see, the first this, this thing that should encourage us, that should challenge us, is in verse 18. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So as Orlando said, there is fear. Right? There's fear. There may be hesitancy to go and share. But I want to encourage you and challenge you with this. Let us be confident in Jesus' authority. 
Let us be confident in Jesus' authority. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Daniel 7, verses 13 and 14, give us a glimpse of what's happening here. In Daniel 7, 13 and 14, Daniel is seeing this vision. And this is what he says, There came one like a son of man. As you know, this was one of Jesus' favorite titles for himself, the son of man. <clears throat> there, came to one like, there came one like a son of man, and he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him, the Son of Man, was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. King Jesus has all authority. He has been given all authority by the Father. Over this past summer, just over the past two months, we've been looking at a lot of psalms that talked about King Jesus. And, and we, we saw this. We saw Jesus' authority. It was promised to, da to David in 2 Samuel 7. There is going to be an eternal king on an eternal throne in Daniel 7. We saw this in Psalm 110. In Daniel 7, the Father, the Ancient of Days, bestows all authority and dominion upon His Son, the Son of Man. We saw this in the kingly psalm. Jesus here says, I have all authority. And it is a universal authority. It is all of heaven and all of earth. Everything you see is King Jesus's. As you think about the life of Jesus, and Paul brings this out in Philippians 2, I want you to think about this for a, just a minute. The humiliated one, the one who is obedient to the point of death, has now become the exalted one, right? And now he is exalted, and he has the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. This is Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, our King. He has all authority. His authority stretches as we see through the Gospels, to those who are sick, he just says, be well, right? Be clean. He has authority over sickness. He has authority over death. He has authority over the demons. He has authority over this world. He has authority over kingdoms and rulers. He has authority over the stars, the suns, the sun, the planets, the galaxies. Jesus has all authority. And in his authority, he then, as the king, he hands out marching orders to his people. This king deserves to be worshipped by all people, for he alone is worthy. And now, as disciples of King Jesus, we live to make him known. He has given us marching orders. It is the Great Commission. So yes, we are confident, and we need to be confident in Jesus' authority. And when we are confident in Jesus' authority, he now, in verse 19, he says, Go, therefore, and make disciples. Jesus calls us to make disciples who make disciples. So let us not only be confident in Jesus' authority, but let us also make disciples. We need to make disciples. That's what we're called to do. And making disciples involves several 
several points here. You know, first of all, we know that we have a message to speak. There is, there is this act of speaking the good news. We evangelize, right? We go and we tell the good news of Jesus. Jesus also says here that we baptize, and we baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and then we also, it's not just conversion. Yes, we want to see people come from death to life, but it, there is also this idea here of teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. There is, there is action that comes in. Yes, there is conversion. There is this point at where, yes, I believe, I turn from my sin and I trust in Jesus. But now there is, an, there is action that comes. We obey the commands of Christ. Jesus calls us to make disciples. One question that came up as I was, I was thinking about this is why, why do we need to make disciples? Why do people need to hear about Jesus? Why do the nations, he says here that, he says to, to make disciples of all nations, why do the nations need to hear about Jesus? This is why we gather. This is our testimony as the church. This is our testimony as believers. You see, people who never hear the gospel are dead in their sins and trespasses. That's, that's why Orlando was burdened for his friend Brandon. He realized that the wrath of God, God's righteous anger, was still on him because he had not repented and believed in Jesus. He had not confessed with his mouth that Jesus is Lord and believed in his heart that God raised him from the dead. You see, that's, that is the good news that the seven billion people on this planet need to hear. Jesus says here we need to make disciples of all nations. You know, as you, as you spin a globe or as you look at a map of the world, you drop a pen or you put your finger on a place, the gospel needs to go forth there. The gospel needs to go forth in India in China, all across this world, the gospel needs to go forth because it is, it is the only news that saves. Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations. If, if it's true that people are dead in their sins and trespasses, and without Jesus, they will spend eternity in hell separated from their Creator, that is the reason we have to go. <laughs> then we have to share this good news. We have to tell people about Jesus, about the life that he lived. He lived a perfect life, one that we could not, because we have all sinned and we fall short of the glory of God. He died a death that we deserved. Yet, three days later, Jesus ra was raised from the dead showing that he was the victorious king. He defeated sin, he defeated death, and now we can have life in him. That's why we go and make disciples. It is the best news in all the world. It's the greatest news. It's this beautiful gospel that those who follow Jesus, we have it in our heart and we speak it. All of us are disciple makers. If you have repented of your sin, and you have believed in Jesus, you are a disciple maker. 
you are a disciple maker. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20 tells us that we are ambassadors. God has reconciled us to himself. He has brought us to himself and now he has made us ambassadors and we have a message of reconciliation. You see, men, humanity is separated from God. We have a message that brings them back together. It's incredible. One pastor commenting on this, this idea of us all being disciple makers, he warns us, he says, we may come to a worship service, we may participate in the life of the church, we may even serve in the church, we may give regularly, all the while neglecting to make disciples. Right? The church is not a country club where we just come and participate and hang out with our friends. The church is a place where we are equipped to make disciples. We are equipped for the work of ministry, and that is making disciples. Jesus calls us here to make disciples of all nations. This same language, all nations, is not new to Jesus. It started with the covenant with Abraham in Genesis 12, Genesis 15, Genesis 18. In Genesis 18, 18, and Genesis 22, 18, it said, it, it, uh, God is speaking to Abraham, and he tells them that in this covenant that I've made with you, all the nations will be blessed. All the nations will be blessed. This is not new. God's heart is for the nations. We see this vision in, in Revelation 5. We see this vision in Revelation 7, where all people, language, nation, will be worshiping at the throne. You see, as disciples of Jesus, we make disciples whenever and wherever. A lot of times, when we read this, we think, oh, this is for missionaries. <laughs> go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Well, that's for the missionary to go to the ends of the earth to reach the unreached. And yes, it is. It is. But Jesus here is speaking to all of his disciples. And this this command, this great commission is to all of us. So yes, I, I look around here and I know some are called to go overseas to unreached people groups. I get that. And I know some of you are called to go overseas to unreached people groups. But also know that God has us in this place right now for a reason. It may only be a, a short season, but he has us here. And that's to make disciples. That's to share the gospel. That's to raise people up. Go therefore and make disciples. And Jesus then tells us to baptize. Baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is a one-time event. You come into Christ, and your first act of obedience is baptism. And here, Jesus says, in the, Father, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One commentator said, this is the clearest Trinitarian formula in the Gospels. Right here. This is our God, Father, Son, and Spirit. And then we teach. We baptize, and then we teach. Where, bapti where baptism is a one-time event, teaching is a lifetime journey. Right? We talked about it last week in our passage where Jesus calls, calls us to learn from him. It's that same word, the make disciples, and then this teaching word here. We, this is the heart of disciple-making. This is why we preach expositional sermons. This is why we open the Bible. And I don't say, 
thus saith me. I say, thus saith the Lord. Like, we want to teach the Bible. We want you to understand the scriptures. This is why we, we work through this. This is why in, in a few weeks we're going to be getting back into Ephesians, and we're going to work through the latter part of Ephesians. We want to be learners. We want to be students. This is why we want to equip, right? That's our mission statement. We want to equip. We have equip classes where we want to learn. We want to be learners, and we want to obey what Jesus taught. As I was, as I was thinking about this morning, Matthew has been obedient to Jesus' great commission by simply writing this gospel, right? Like, Matthew wrote this gospel after the great commission, and he actually lays out the commands of Christ. He says, hey, this is the life of Jesus right here. So Matthew is applying the great commission right here in the gospel. The New Testament Right? The New Testament has no category for disciples who are not baptized and who are not constantly learning and obeying Christ. There is no category for that. A disciple is one who has been baptized and now is growing in Christ Jesus. Jesus is concerned with the disciple's way of life. Our conversations as we're with one another should be saturated with the Word of God. We should be constantly teaching one another. Parents, parents, you have the honor to disciple your kids. Older ladies, older men, you get to do that in the context of the church. You get to disciple younger ladies and younger men. This is what we want to see. We want to see life done together. We want to see disciples made. As we prayed earlier, we want to see unbelievers come to faith. We would love to see 40 come to faith this year. We want to see small groups started where we are doing life together, where we're getting to know one another, where we're challenging one another with the Word of God. This is making disciples. We evangelize, we baptize, we teach. This is good news. And then Jesus, as he finishes this great commission, he gives us this incredible promise that we can trust. So yes, let us be confident in Jesus' authority. Let us make disciples, but let us also trust Jesus is with us. He tells us in verse 20, Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is great news for us. We don't go alone. Jesus' presence goes with us as we are obedient to make disciples. As we, as we see, as Jesus ascends into heaven, we see the promise of the Holy Spirit come upon the disciples. In John 13 to 17, John, Jesus tells us all about this helper that's going to come. It's better for me to go away because when I go away, there's going to be a helper that will come. In Acts 1.8, Jesus says, I'm about to go away, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses all over the world. And then we see that happen in chapter 2. The Holy Spirit falls upon the disciples and they start making disciples. They continue. They go from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. 
is what they do. This is, this is just ordinary life for disciples. We make disciples. And Jesus is with us. Matthew 1.23 begins, so Matthew 1 and Matthew 28, bookends of this, of this book. Matthew 1.23 calls Jesus a name. Calls him Emmanuel. Do y'all know what that means? God is with us. God is with us. In Matthew 28, Jesus closes out his great commission. And this book is closed out with, I will be with you even to the end of the age. This is good news. As disciples, Jesus goes with us. He will be with us always to the end of the age. Jesus will never leave us or forsake us. He is constantly with his people. And we need to trust this promise that Jesus is with us. So really quickly, application here. We want to multiply disciples. As you look back over your time in Christ, from when Jesus saved you to present, how you doing making disciples? How you doing making disciples? Are you pouring your life into people? Are you, are you raising up a new generation of disciple makers? How do we make disciples? You may be thinking, I, I don't know what to do. I hear you say all this stuff, but what do I do? Well, this morning, we've already started really with the beginning stages of making disciples, and that's prayer. We prayed this morning, that time of corporate prayer. I want to challenge you this week to pray. Pray for your unbelieving friends, family, co-workers. Pray for those in your neighborhood. Take time, if you can, to walk around your neighborhood prayer walking or prayer driving. Drive around your neighborhood and just pray for each house. Pray for those in your sphere of influence that are far from Jesus. And then pray for opportunities to share. Have gospel conversations with people. If you don't feel confident that first time, grab somebody else and say, hey, come with me. We're going to go share the gospel with somebody. Let's go out and let's share the gospel Let's equip you to share the gospel. And then let's teach them. Get them in the word. If you know one more thing than someone else, you can disciple somebody. Right? You can take somebody through Matthew 28, 16 to 20 now. Like, this is what we do. Get them in the word. Get them in small groups. Get them in discipleship groups. Get them in the Bible. Hey, just read the Bible with me. Read Mark with me. Read the Bible with me. Let us make disciples. That's how we're going to see this community reach with the gospel. I mean, y'all know this, this neighborhood right here is so full of people and homes. The gospel needs to go forth there. Charlotte is full of people that are far from Jesus. Our world is full of people that are far from Jesus. We have to be about the king's business of making disciples. Let us make disciples. I want to pray for us, and then we're going to transition to a time of, of remembrance, but also of celebrating our Lord's death and awaiting his return. Let's pray. Our Father, we give you praise for this day. We thank you for 
the gospel. We thank you for this commission, this promise. We go in Christ's authority to make disciples. We go in his, with his presence through the power of the Spirit. So God, will we be faithful to that call on our lives? We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.